Welcome to the Ponder on That podcast, where we talk about mental health, our goals, self-confidence, self-love, and many more various topics. In every episode, we will be giving advice that we can apply practically in our everyday lives. I'm Saffron King. Let's begin. Hi guys, so we're here on Ponder on That podcast with Saffron King. We're here with the amazing Colette Johnson, who is an entrepreneur and a business strategy manager at NBCU. And we're just going to go into it, Colette. So tell us about yourself, like who is Colette Johnson? Well, um, sometimes I don't know who I am. Um, I'm Colette. I am 29 years old, almost 30. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I work at NBC Universal um, doing marketing as well as um, starting the PS Collective. Fantastic. So you, you mentioned the PS Collective. Can you tell us more about that and, you know, what made you start it? Yeah, sure. So the PS Collective is actually an online marketplace that is geared to help women find clothing that fits and flatters their figure. Um, And we use machine learning and artificial intelligence to be able to understand and extract uh, women's measurements to be able to better provide them with options that that will fit them. Wow. And how long has this been active for? We um, really thought of the idea in 20, late 2018, early 2019. Um, and I found a co-founder. Her name's Francesca Donadoni. We met in New York, but she actually, um, since COVID, has been in London um, working. So we work across, across the pond. That's fantastic. And I think it's it's good to have people who, you know, especially in this day and age where a, a lot of things are virtual, it's nice to have someone who is in a different part of the world. I feel like you can reach a, a larger set of people as well. I mean, do you find um, where do a lot of your kind of where do your a lot of your supporters reside? Like, do you have more in America or more in the UK, Europe? So it's actually, that's um, a really fascinating question. And I think to your point, COVID has allowed us to um, communicate better with people wherever they are. Mm. Um, And we actually, as much as we have uh, followers in America, we also have a lot of followers um, in Europe. Mm. Um, Some of our designers um, are from Europe. So we have 32 designers, 32, 33 designers right now who are going to be um, on the marketplace. And about a quarter of them come from elsewhere outside of the U.S. Um, We have people in Canada, uh, Germany, Paris, London, and Australia. Yeah. Wow, Australia! That's yes. amazing. You know, I know Australia. <laughs> it's a, it's a little difficult with, with the time zones, honestly. Um, but it, you know, we make it work. And in terms of like your supporters, do you like get to speak to them? Like, is it quite an intimate relationship you have with them? Like, or yeah, or is it like all via social media commenting? So. It's very much social media driven, um, trying to build up a following on Instagram, um, as well as Facebook, you know, all of the, the typical 
social media websites. What I have realized that actually has surprised me is that a lot of my, the designers that we bring on board and a lot of just people that I've been meeting along my journey, uh, it's opened me up to so many like very powerful, um, inspirational women who are also fighting for equity and equality as it pertains to um, just fashion, but also how people feel about themselves and, and their own skin. Absolutely. And I think in this day and age, it's so hard to be um, comfortable or content in your own skin. So would you say there's a difference between being comfortable in your skin and being confident with your fashion, with your body? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it is a fine line, um, but I think comfortability insinuates that you're living with it. Um, confidence really exudes a different level of energy that you're putting yourself, you know, out and putting yourself out into the world with, right? Um, and I could say the same thing, right? I, I felt very uncomfortable. Um, I had to go to a wedding recently and I didn't know what to wear. I didn't have anything to wear. A lot of the things that I was putting on weren't fitting me because during COVID I gained weight. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, my experience, I've already like, one of the reasons for starting the PS Collective was very selfish. It was because I didn't like my own shopping experiences online. But now it's even worse because I don't know what my true size is. A lot of the clothes that I are in my closet wasn't fitting me. And I was going into the stores and, and trying things on and looking in the mirror and it just was not a good environment. Um, and I don't want people to feel that way. I don't want people to try on a bunch of clothes that they think are their size only to be told that their body doesn't fit into this particular size because sizing is arbitrary. It doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's different, uh, from store to store, even within the same store. And so I think, you know, that's a small example of how it has recently affected me, but there's some people where this affects them all the time. Like this is their reality of being put into boxes and being told you have to shop in a different section of the store. You know, you can't shop at this store because we only do one size fits all. Like stuff like that, um, that people don't realize. They think, you know, when they hear the word fashion, that it's very, it, it's not, there's no depth to it. Yes. Um, yes. And it's very superficial, but that's simply not true because if that were the reality, then everyone could just walk around naked all the time. Absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> we need clothes. We need yeah. clothes. That's just the nature of the world that we live in. And for something that really is just another layer of who you are, if you are constantly being told you can't wear this or you can't be fit, you know, fit into this, then eventually it's going to get into your head where I'm not comfortable. I'm just doing this because I have to. Absolutely, Claire. And you know, I would agree with you there where you said, you know, in different stores you can be different sizes. So in a sense, it's kind of like what size am I and I think a lot of people do 
you know, identify with their body size, identify with their fashion sense as well. I mean, you know, recently, um, like, like you know, during lockdown, I've put on weight as well, but more so have love handles. So um, someone close to me had said to me, oh, um, you should wear like a girdle to hide it. And I'm thinking in my mind, why do we feel we have to hide certain traits of our body that we feel okay maybe this could be hidden or this isn't working out with certain clothes I think it's it's not um not making our ourselves kind of hide away from from the truth really and I mean would you say that people can identify with or their identity can be hidden in fashion in their bodies as well as other things like mental health Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's, uh, there's actually studies that have been done that prove that ill-fitting clothing or the way that you wear your clothing mm. is indicative of how you feel. Um, you know, if you are wearing baggier clothing, you're trying to cover yourself up, mm. um, it's saying that you aren't comfortable in your own skin um, and, you know, you're really what you're saying, trying to hide your body or hide, you know, imperfections. But the reality is nobody's perfect. And I know as cliche as that sounds, it's the truth. Actually, more people are imperfect than fitting into the norms. And that's the thing that these larger companies either don't understand or they don't care. Um, And I think... (laughs) One of the things that recently upset me was this whole Victoria's Secret rebranding into VS Collective, which is not only one letter off from the PS Collective, but also trying to rebrand themselves into, you know, uh, lingerie and um, bras that are made for every type of woman, Mm -hmm. um, which for so long, they were the opposite of that. You know, they were this idea of being an angel, being perfect with, you know, big, perfect boobs. Um, That's just not reality. And, you know, when you look at the Photoshop that people go into to to make these advertisements, especially you're in marketing, so you understand that, you know, there's this kind of, like you said, perfection that people feel they have to be or have to do. And like you said, I think that, most of us are imperfect and perfect according to society's standard of what perfection is. How how do you think we can be more comfortable and confident in our own bodies and skin? Well, I think I think there's a few ways, right? I think putting yourself in environments where um, and surrounding yourself with people who push you to be comfortable in your own skin. You know, if you're put in environments where you're constantly being judged or you feel like you need to fit a certain standard, then you're going to try and fit yourself into that standard. But I think what I love about younger generations is that there is no retrofitting yourself into or trying to, you know, fit into certain stereotypes or um, boxes. It's being confident enough to voice your differences and, and highlight 
but also embrace mm-hmm. other people's differences rather than trying to, to subdue them. Um, I always use the example of when I was younger in school and, you know, my mom would, you know, make a, let's say she made oxtail or something um, for dinner. I would never want to bring that to school. Um, I never wanted to share that, like, I would be eating certain dishes um, that were different from what my other peers were eating. So I tried to blend in. I would buy lunch and have pizza or sandwiches or whatever. Mm -hmm. But now I love, you know, introducing my friends to different types of cuisine and um, trying, you know, oxtail for the first time. Like that stuff is exciting to me because I'm proud of where I come from and who I am. And I think that's the difference. A lot of these companies, these larger companies are still set in their, their ways. And, and if we take a moment to talk about the history of the sizing structure mm-hmm. and where standard sizing comes from, it really dates back to the 1940s. Oh, wow. Even earlier than that, honestly. 1930s um, is when the universal sizing system was first created. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clothes before then were made tailored you would go to a tailor and have your clothing made specifically for your body type but after they they figured out like what are the average body types they basically took um a average of what the american woman looked like Mm -hmm. which i can tell you the american woman has changed a lot since the 1940s Uh you know back then they were um predominantly white Mm-hmm. uh and size two to six yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now you know a majority of women in america are size 14 or larger but still there's only two percent of that inventory found in stores so already there's this big divide of mm-hmm. the industry saying well you don't matter mm-hmm. and like figure it out. You find like, it's cheaper for me to make, you know, smaller clothes. So I'm going to charge you more for the clothes that you, you buy that are plus size. Also the term plus size, like, yeah. Why do we even have that? It's a good thing to mention that it's not just plus size. It's, Um, it's every difference of, of people who struggle to find clothing that fits their body. You have people who are too tall, you have people who are petite, mm. you know, you have people who might have longer torsos or, you know, bigger thighs and, and smaller hips. There's so many different combinations of, of body type um, that you can't just focus on standards because there are no, nor- there's no norms these days. Everyone is different. Yes. And it is frustrating, especially buying clothes online, if you're trying to figure out, well, is this going to fit me? I don't have time for returns. Like, mm. it's just too much of a game that some people just don't have the time for. Exactly. And, you know, there's so much times when I have ordered something online and it's the size that I usually am. 
But actually, I've tried it on. It's either too big or too small. And it, and it do, I mean, for me, in my journey, it has made me question myself, like, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? Is it me? But actually, you know, you're right. We're all unique in different sizes. I mean, have you had anyone kind of give you any comments about, like, PS Collective, like, in terms of um, them saying, you know, it's great what you're doing. I feel like, you know this whole size issue fashion being confident in yourself it there's been a gap in the market basically oh absolutely i i mean people all the time first of all on the designer side mm. they're like we need you wow. we need ps collective yes because returns hurt their business significantly mm. you know these are small and mid-sized businesses where mm-hmm returns are a lot harder for them to bake in than for these larger companies who can just, you know, mm. write it in and, and it's not as big of a, a, a deal to them. Mm. So that's on one side, mm. the designers, they really want, you know, for mm-hmm. these systems to be in place and, and something that's going to not only eliminate returns, but increase loyalty. So on, on the consumer side, mm-hmm. I talk to people all the time who are like, especially in the petite community, I've been having a lot of conversations where, you know, they think it's on them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's their fault. Mm-hmm. And I was in a room Wow, that's interesting. I was in, yeah, I was in a clubhouse um, recently and, you know, on stage, it was a petite uh, fashion room and um, on stage were a lot of um, designers working for like bigger companies. And what I kept hearing was like, as a petite woman, you know, you just need to know your measurements and like buy according to your measurements you know, take your clothes to get tailored. That's expensive. Very expensive. And why are we passing that off onto the consumer? Mm-hmm. Why does the consumer have to do all of the work? Mm-hmm. Then on top of that, someone was uh, talking about how uh, they, they look at their returns um, within the larger organization and they use it to um, influence for their production, which mm-hmm debatable on whether that's true or not but she the the host of the the room was like oh you're right like usually when i return things i'm just kind of annoyed that i have to do the returns i have to go through the process so i usually just don't take a lot of time to put why this thing didn't fit me correctly Mm -hmm. and she's like you're right like i need to be doing a better job i need to uh take more time to give detail behind why I'm returning something. And in my head, and I I told her this afterwards, I was like, absolutely not. This isn't true. Again, this is another scenario of you apologizing for something that wasn't your fault. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, Mm. why are we constantly letting these companies slide by Mm. and provide you know, things that are easy for them because, you know, they can create them in bulk rather than actually 
paying attention to me and my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very retro, like clothing should not be retroactively trying to fit mm-hmm. what like a body. Mm-hmm. It should be creating something with a body in mind for that specific person. Person. Wow. That's very profound what you've just said. So instead of, you know, us trying to fit ourselves for that particular outfit, it's the outfit should, that should actually fit us, be tailored to us in, you know, various ways. I think I've never actually heard that before. Um, you know, going into stores, going online, there's a there's a kind of guilt when you, you know when you go to the sizing, there's this I don't know, it's for me it's it's like a a semi-daunting experience when it comes to the sizing because you, you feel like okay if this doesn't fit then oh I should have been careful or I should have been more accurate in my measurements so in saying this would you say there's any companies out there that are doing a better job to do that definitely I mean there's tons of of companies who are deploying and using technology to be able to better assess sizing um, as well as like customer feedback. Mm -hmm. So ASOS, for example, does this pretty well where they, you know, will ask you um, questions about like clothing that fits you right, Mm -hmm. um, as well as how do you like your clothes to fit? Um, And they they rely heavily on the input of their consumers to say, oh, this this runs tight or this runs too large. And, and so they use that kind of recommendation system throughout their website after getting to know you, your likes, your dislikes, et cetera. And I think there's a few companies heading in that direction yeah. um, or trying to do a good job. Like Levi's also um, is trying to get better with um, fit and, and um, creating custom made jeans. So there, there are movements in that direction, mm. but it's just, it's not fast enough. Um, the movements aren't fast enough. There's this preconceived notion that mass produced items are cheaper to make than creating, you know, individual pieces for, for different people. But there's also like, not only is there economic benefits, but there's benefits to the ecosystem. It's, it's a lot more sustainable to create clothing based on a person and based on demand than creating a bunch of clothes that you hope people are going to buy. But a lot, a lot of the times just ends up in landfills. So yeah, that's why it's important for, you know, businesses like yourself, PS Collective, and you guys doing what you're doing to help, you know, people feel more confident and more comfortable in their skin. I think it's very commendable, Colette. Absolutely. Thanks. That's how you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we're so, trying, we're trying. Absolutely. And where can people find you? Do, do you, like, do you have, like, the handle? Yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> we're pretty much on everything. Um, Instagram is probably the best place to find us. Um which it's uh, PS Collective NYC. Um, And then we also have a website, Mm -hmm. which is pscollective.com. And I think those would probably be the best places to find us right now, but um, Mm -hmm. we're really trying to build up our presence in, in more communities. 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, you've already set yourself up well because, you know, I've seen you on socials, Instagram, LinkedIn, your website. I was actually doing some of the questions because I think um, there was like a questionnaire at the beginning. Uh, yes, on yeah. the website. Yeah. yeah. And I do like how it's tailored. And I think a lot of people will enjoy answering those questions because I don't even know what size my waist is. So for me, I was like, oh, my gosh, do I how well do I know myself? So, yeah, I think yeah. it's good for even people to get to know themselves more, you know, in it. And and just be in a be able to shop on a community that sees them for who they are and is recommending like. They always advise against creating something for everyone mm. because then you're creating something for no one mm-hmm. um and that isn't really the goal of the ps collective we do want to help women and our technology is enabling us to curate clothing mm. based on your sizes and your dis- your likes and your dislikes mm-hmm. so we are hopefully going to be a community where people can come and feel welcome no matter uh, what their differences are. Absolutely, absolutely, And, you know, it's needed because, you know, there's so much people who, you know, aren't happy with how they look, how they are, or don't feel welcomed in a community. And it can affect people's mental health, you know, because we're in a time now where a lot of people are speaking about mental health, you know, and it does cover all areas. It's not just, you know, emotionally or, you know, work stuff going on. It can be as well how your body is. I mean, there's a lot of things going around about um body dysphoria I, I forgot I don't know if I pronounced it right but you know dysmorphia dysmorphia thank you Kelly. so it's you're welcome like, so it, it, is that where you what you see in the mirror is different to what other people see yeah and I think it's also there's a few ways that that comes to life like even I've heard some interesting conversation around Snapchat filters and Instagram filters and how it's changing, how kids are seeing themselves and putting themselves out there. Um, And it obviously is not a realistic image of who that person is. Mm. Um, You know, even as, you know, myself using those filters, I would prefer to post a a picture with a filter than than not Um, because it smooths out my 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 imperfections um, and impurities and I think there's a deeper there's underlying uh I guess things that have to be looked into when um talking about body dysmorphia and um seeing yourself in a different way Yes, um, absolutely. And I, I, again, I think the onus is on larger, like influencers and companies, to put forth a realistic image of of who people are. If you keep putting out photos of of women that were airbrushed and um, cropped and just manipulated mm. without telling people it was manipulated people will think that that's the real image of that person when it's it's not absolutely and you you know what you're saying is so powerful Colette because when you bring in them social media you know I've even seen filters called beauty face um filter and it literally just I feel like for me it makes me a completely different person takes 
spots that I have, you know, like you said, impurities. And I must say, um, in terms of like celebrities, why? Because, you know, celebrities have such a big influence on people's images. I would say that I love how um, Alicia Keys, you know, she's very, especially now, she's very natural in how she mm -hmm. looks. And she'll even say it to people, you know, not that she's against makeup, but that she... She, she doesn't want to cover up anymore you know yeah. and I think it's a journey for her and it's beautiful to see that because then women can look at her and think I actually can be natural in myself <laughs> but, but I, yeah. I think that's a good point and I think one of the other you know examples that I can bring forth I was speaking to I was looking for a makeup artist to work with for a photo shoot and I came across um this company called Beauty Marks. And, you know, I met, I met the founder. She's here in, in um, Brooklyn as well. Hey. And she was telling me kind of the history of why she started Beauty Marks and what, what the meaning behind it is. And it actually was pretty profound and, and awesome. Um, so she was getting married, um, I think five years ago. Um, and she couldn't find, or maybe it was 10 years ago. I'm getting the time timeline <laughs> mixed up, but, um, she was getting married and she was looking for a makeup artist for herself. Um, and it was a really tough process because everyone was like, the style was just plastering on makeup and a red lip and mm. calling it a day. Um, and she didn't want that. She didn't want to lose herself. And mm. what she realized is Every, every person she would go to, when they would do the, the tutorial or, or show, like, a sample, mm -hmm. her beauty marks would be gone. Oh. And they put on so much makeup that it would cover her impurities yeah. or her, her, beauty, yeah. Yeah, her beauty marks. And so that was the beginning of her company, Beauty Marks, because she didn't want to erase what made people mm. unique. Um, and I thought that that was beautiful and I never thought of it that way because I mean I do have I have a mole or a beauty mark a right beauty here and mark I, yes yes <laughs> and I I love it I I love it absolutely love it um but yeah makeup sometimes covers it up and it's interesting to think about that but there is the, there is um an increase in um natural makeup and the whole natural yes. style so I think that that that's for the better and you know it's interesting you say that because I've got a beauty spot or beauty mark there and I've been through a few makeup artists and I can say there's only really one who when she did my makeup she said she doesn't want to really cover up that beauty beauty spot she wanted to kind of enhance it and everybody else it, it was it was it was gone and look at the irony make I think makeup's meant to enhance your beauty it's not meant to cover up but we have these beauty spots, beauty marks, moles, however you like, birthmarks for a reason. And I think, you know, to cover it up, I think that's a bit of a, a tragedy. But like you said, I think natural makeup is definitely increasing now. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I agree. But yes, Colette, so on to the next question. So this is more about your current role at NBCU. And, you know, it's it's hard to get... Um, jobs in these specific media companies you know NBCU and um, IT we have ITV in England and I know you guys have other 
media platforms as well. What is it like working at NBCU and what was your what was the process for you to get that job, get that role? What was the process? Okay, so I'll answer the first part of that question okay. first. So um, working at NBC Universal uh, has been great. I think there's been there's obviously a different type of environment now that we're working from home um, than when we were in the office. But I think I'm definitely the type of person that likes to be involved all the time. And so I joined um, the Women's Network and um, the Black Employee Network, um, as well as the Young uh, Professionals Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I attend a lot of uh, a lot of different um, events that they put on. Mm-hmm. Now they're all virtual. I also am a leader on the Women's Network, so I help plan um, events as well okay. for the, the whole company, which is de- definitely um, nice to do something, um, meet people outside of my, um, my own group that I work in every day, mm-hmm. um, and also just get to experience the, the NBC culture and community um, on a greater scale. Mm. I love, uh, the spontaneity and like, you know, the events that happen every day at NBC Universal and being able to like go to lunch and run into a famous person in the elevator (laughs) and just have it be very casual. Um, and you know, there's many times that I've been, you know, (laughs) standing in the elevator with like Al Sharpton or like, like really like, or like uh, Rachel Maddow and like just it's all you know normal um, and regular Um, but yeah no I think that that part's pretty cool Um, but my day-to-day I I feel like it's super fun to be able to um, first of all have my voice be heard Um, Mm -hmm. my my team is very much uh, open to hearing feedback, no matter like what stage of the process you're in or um, what ranking you are, or, um, what your title is. Um, as long as you're bringing like value to the table, I think that that um, is definitely looked uh, well upon. Mm. Um, and it's definitely given me the pedestal to grow. I think something else that's really cool about NBC Universal and, and ad sales in particular is it's very female. Uh, there's a lot of female power. That's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. All my leaders are female and um, I've never had that before. And it's a really cool um, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, they're always looking for ways to, to bring others up. And I mean, NBC Universal isn't perfect when it comes to uh, DE&I, but they're trying to get there. And they've been doing a lot of work um, over the years to try and get there. Um, they didn't just start um, after all of the social injustice that happened um, last year. Like they, they've been at it for a little bit. So um, they're putting more rigor behind it, and I think that that's admirable. And um, can I just explain what ENI is, just for those who maybe? Oh yeah, oh yeah. ENI is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. Perfect. Um, mm. but yeah, so definitely, um, 
one of the cooler places to work. Um, and I think how I, how the other part of your question was how I got there. So um, I actually started off at at NBC uh, when I first graduated college. um, And I was also working in ad sales at the time, Um, but I wanted to do something a little bit more creative. Mm. um, So I ended up moving over to the agency side and I was working on um, sci-fi and USA, which are two networks that are within the NBC universal umbrella. And I was helping um, basically plan and launch campaigns, uh, marketing campaigns for um, new and returning series, which was so fun um, to, to be able to, you know, see episodes of things early and be able to like see the whole process of like the strategy, who is the audience that this is targeting, where, where are the best places to advertise? And then, the coolest thing as you know a young adult is seeing your your work mm-hmm. around the city um and like being able to see billboards and like subway ads and and you know things on tv that you uh, you did that yeah. um is pretty cool uh and so my boss at the time um she actually ended up moving over to nbc and then she asked me to come on board so that's how I got my current role wow. um, that's you know Colette honestly you know you you've done a lot in your short time of living you know 29 years and you've done all of that and to work for such an amazing company and have your own business it's just it's it's really inspirational and what advice would you give to someone who would like to work in these um you know companies media companies specifically um such as NBCU um CNN um and you know various ones um but they're struggling you know they're, they're struggling to get opportunities or to truly find out exactly what part of the media they want to work in mm. Mm. um well I, I I would say two things the first is reach out to people, have conversations, stay top of mind. Um, You know, someone once told me people love talking about themselves, which is true. They do. (laughs) Um, So always reach out and and pick someone's brain about how they got to where they got to and um, maybe develop a mentorship out of it um, because those are the people who are going to care and who are going to want to see you grow and lift you up. The other thing I would say is look out for rotational programs. There's a lot of rotational programs that um, these larger media companies have um, where you can apply and you can try out different um, divisions or different um, types of work within that company to understand what you like and what you don't like. Um, That's probably the best way to dip your toes in without diving you know head first into a job that you're not quite sure is a good fit for you um so i I would say those two things are probably um what people should keep in mind if they are interested in in media and thanks for listening to today's podcast if you enjoyed what you heard it doesn't have to stop here check out our instagram underscore ponder on that i I agree with it to an extent and our twitter page at podcast underscore ponder feel free to follow us for more inspiration because obviously you still need to have 
some form of knowledge to keep you in that position, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would say I, I believe that is very true, especially in media and entertainment. And like the last two jobs that I've had, and I've only had three jobs, actually, honestly, all three jobs that I've had in my career have been because of other people. Wow. So networking is, is key and it's about, you know, putting yourself out there and believing in yourself as well, because so much times we think, oh, you know, I'm not good enough for this place or there's these celebrities working. And I, I'm sure you can agree with me here, Kelly, especially because you work in that kind of environment as well. When you actually meet a celebrity in your work environment they're actually just not just sorry but you then the normal people being yeah, we're all yeah we're all just normal people trying to yeah. get by like um yeah and I I think I've always looked at it that way because mm-hmm. I, I that's just the way that my brain works yeah. I you know holding people on pedestals like that um mm-hmm. is not kind of I don't really uh, type of, of mentality. And I think when I, I, I interned in LA um, on a late night show and I would, mm-hmm. I was a, um, I forget what they called it. Uh, but I was a PA for talent and I would like help bring them into the green room and like I would meet them. And I mean, of course, inside I'm like super excited, yeah. <laughs> but I think all they want is to be treated like regular people, you know? Absolutely. You know, when you and see what they talk about on their social media platforms, a lot of them are like, you know, I just want a normal life. I'm a normal person. I do shopping. I look after my family. <laughs> you know, it's very, very normal. Could you, could you see yourself in Hollywood? Living there or being famous? Um, <laughs> so working in that um environment environment, yeah yeah I mean I wanted to when I first graduated college I wanted to work um in Los Angeles and I wanted to live in LA and um I wanted to be on sets and doing uh production work yeah um but I think what I what I realized is I can have both I can have everything that I want right I don't have to just be in one place like I love New York so much um and but I also hate the cold and I love the islands and traveling to LA and I can do all of that now because all you need is a laptop and a connection Absolutely. You know what? <laughs> Those are the tools, a laptop and a connection. That yeah. is so true, Colette. You know, we always yeah. do these things as a, we don't have access to it. But actually, if if we just simplify things and break it down, we actually think, you know what? Why can't I? You know, why can't it be me? And yeah. Colette, you're so right. Like, sometimes we can put ourselves in these boxes and say, oh, if I do this, 
Okay, say for example, if I do um, graphic design, it means that I can't do acting in Los Angeles, for example. But actually, why can't you do both? As long as obviously, you know, you, 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 you're good at both trades and, you know, you put your effort in both of them and that one slacking, you know, why can't you do both? Why can't you be a podcaster or, you know, like yourself in marketing, doing fashion yeah. as well? You know, because I could imagine... Um, with yourself you're doing in your job at NBCU you're also in fashion as well and you know they I mean would you say the different industries I mean yeah they they are different industries and um honestly I don't have a fashion background I can't claim to be you know <clears throat> a, like a professional in in fashion and I wouldn't claim that I just I have a good eye. I know it looks good. Um, and I saw a problem that needed to be solved. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think that that's all that someone really needs. And Key. honestly, mm. I, I talk about this with uh, Francesca all the time, my founder, mm-hmm. uh, co-founder. Co-founder. And, <laughs> yeah. And oh, I lost track of what I was going to say. Um, you were saying, um, oh, what did you say? Uh, <laughs> you uh, Oh, I, I remember. I remember. <laughs> so I always talk to her about like the fact that she was in healthcare tech mm-hmm. and I was in marketing. And it, it's probably better seeing a problem as a consumer and not someone within a certain industry, because a lot of times when you're in a certain industry, you ha- you come with these biases and these uh, blinders on that you're like, this is the only way that this can work. This is like the way that it's going to have to be forever. Mm-hmm. Um, when you can come in with a different perspective and see things with a different eye, then you can go into any industry, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it just takes, you know, some time of, you know, dedicated learning, mm. speaking to the right people, bringing the right people on board, um, and just having those open lines of communication. Absolutely. And I remember speaking to someone yesterday, and the person was saying to me that um, you, you don't ha- actually have to be an expert in everything. And actually, you can't be an expert in everything. But as long as you have the enough knowledge and openness to learn more, you can do what you want. You can achieve what you want to achieve, you know, and upskilling yourself, you know, constantly, obviously, you know, at a place that you're comfortable with. But yeah, I think, um, you know, knowing your craft and also what you said in terms of um, seeing an issue and, you know, knowing the need of it, meeting the need. I think when you look at all of the um, people who are successful that's really all they did if you break it down they saw a, a lack and they met the need yeah so yeah. yeah honestly but yes thank you Colette what advice would you give to women to overcome the stumbling blocks that may come their way in um following after their passion or you know starting up their business I think one of the things that has helped me is support Mm. and people that share your same fire and your same energies Mm. if you surround yourself with people that uh 
are hard workers, determined, believe in you, mm-hmm. you're going to be a hard worker, determined, and believe in yourself. Yes. I wholeheartedly believe that when I'm surrounded by, you know, people who are doubting themselves or not sure or um, Debbie Downers is what we yeah. call it. Um, <laughs> It's, it's a bad environment for me because I take in the energy around me. And I would, I would give that advice to any woman um, to just go after what they want and surround themselves with people who think that they can do that. Absolutely. And you know, there's a Jamaican saying, and you, you would know it, um, show me your company and I'll tell you who you are. Have you heard of that, Cadet? Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 so, no man is an island, so we need each other. And it's about needing the right people, you know. I've been in situations where I've been in friendship groups where, you know, it hasn't always been nurturing for myself in terms of what I want to do. You know, constantly comparing myself or constantly needing that reassurance. So I agree with that, Colette, absolutely. And what would you tell your younger you, younger Colette, what would you tell her? Um, it can be about anything. Anything you want to do, start sooner. Mm. I used to put a lot of roadblocks in my way, including for PS Collective. I, for years, have been saying, like, I want to start something in fashion. I wanna, and I kind of dragged my feet. I was, you know, what are other people going to think? How am I going to get this done with no money? I'm not, I am not an, a coder or an expert. I, I can't do this on my own. Mm-hmm. Constantly putting roadblocks in the way. And I mean, even today, like I go through, um, what is the word? Um, I have these, these moments of um, imposter syndrome where I feel like I'm not, who am I to create this business and who is going to buy from me? But like, I think if I could tell myself anything when I was younger, it would be to not to, to stop, mm. to always push and like start things that I want to start. And I, I go back to this because I remember as a young person, I always had all of these different ideas mm-hmm. of things that I want to do or start. Um, and in middle school, I wanted to start a, um, a bakery or Mm. like out of my house. I wanted to sell like goods because I loved bacon and I taught myself how to code. I created a website, um, you know, which was part of the fun, um, set everything up and then reached out to my friend who lived in my neighborhood and asked. Um, if she would do it with me and she said no Colette it's a bad idea no one's gonna want to buy uh baked goods from a kid in their house like you need permits and she just put up all these blocks for me that I in my head I was like oh you're right like I can't do it lo and behold people are doing it all over the place now selling goods from their homes and um you know I think I easily could have done it Mm. had I not tried to get other people to um come into it with me mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to start things on your own uh, and ha- be your own hype person 
it, that is so true and not everyone will understand that vision you know your vision you know until they see other people doing it or until they see the successes from it and yeah. then the quote that I want to read out whilst we're on here I mean are you have you watched Coach Carter have you watched it Mm-mm. with um Samuel L Jackson oh my gosh you have to watch it <laughs> you have to watch that <laughs> let me read out the quote um so the quote says, um, some people know it even outside of Coach Carter, but I only know through that. But it says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As Mm. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I love that. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you. Yeah, Yeah, please do. It just came to my mind when we were speaking what we were speaking because I think so much people, when they give certain advice or, you know, they they, they doubt us, I think it's because of their fears as well of what maybe they feel they can't do. So they they project it on us. Yeah. But I love that, Colette. So, So what was it again to start things sooner that you've always wanted to do? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think going along with that, it would be, you know, to not need permission from other people to do what I want to or have to do. Absolutely. I mean, why do you think um, we 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 kind of crave for permission from others? Well, it, it's it goes into what you were just saying, fear. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It gives us either the courage we need or someone to blame. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Colette. Is there anything you'd like to leave with us? You know, any a word of inspiration, wisdom, anything about your business? Um, I mean, I think one of the things that I like to live by is to celebrate the small things. I think we don't do that enough. Um, And especially, you know, whether it's someone trying to find a job or it's someone who's starting a company or um, you're just trying to get up the courage to do something. I, I think looking at it as the little steps forward or little wins and celebrating those and really admire, like, giving yourself the courage you need and and the support that you need um, rather than um, being harsh on yourself is definitely something that I would say uh, is a, is a heightened in women for some reason. Yes. Yes. And so I think just learning how to celebrate the small things, like I think some of the things that I even I I was in a meditation class once and I never forgot this because I sometimes am very impatient Mm. um, and I get very angry with like small things that are out of my control. So Mm -hmm. he's talking about, you know, being late on the subway um, to work. Mm. You could either get upset 
or you could just acknowledge the fact that you're going to be late and deal with it. You know, it happens to everybody. It's fine. It's not going to be the end of the world, mm-hmm. but you getting angry is only ex- exerting energy, bad energy yes. um, mm. that isn't uh, purposeful. It's, there's no need for it. Um, and so, you know, just embrace it. Mm-hmm. Take those, those things that life throws at you and try and, and make lemonade out of lemons. All of that. Yes, absolutely, Claire. And, you know, I agree with you there. I think sometimes we can go so far in our lives and achieve all these great things, but we never celebrate any of it. And we just constantly are in this, you know, cycle of just working hard, working hard, achieving, but not actually taking a step back and reflecting, oh my gosh, I've done that. I've always wanted to do that and I've done it, but I've missed it because I didn't even take the time to just stop and be like, well done you know so yes well on that note thank you for having us it's been a pleasure Um, yeah this was great thank you for having me on yes so guys you can you can reach colette on her handles what was your handles again colette if you just want to leave us with that yeah ps collective nyc great so guys you have to check that out you know and we all need to become more um comfortable and confident in ourselves who are you not to be the beautiful unique person that you were made to be so yes on that note thank you guys thank you hey thanks for listening to today's podcast if you enjoyed what you heard it doesn't have to stop here check out our instagram at underscore ponder on that with saffron and our twitter page at podcast underscore ponder feel free to follow us for more inspiration and goodness